Any education apart from Jesus Christ is for us miseducation. And it produces not education nor an educated man, but a new race of barbarians who are today busily destroying their civilization. Humanistic education is the institutionalized love of death. Christian education, because it serves him who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, is the love of life. This is the Love of Life podcast, conversations with Jesse and Courtney. Should probably get a little closer. We're so we're recording. We're recording on a phone for now, which is uh, as a voiceover artist, I realize this is not even close to the type of um, uh, audio quality that I want to present in the long run. Who cares? <laughs> well, the audience is going to care. <laughs> The, the five people that decide to listen to this, which might turn into 500 or 5,000 or five, whatever, the people, I mean, we want to deliver an audio quality product. No, what are you doing? This is a part of our podcast. Kiffin. You have to be real. I just think, yes, our sound can get better and that's a good thing, but I don't want to get hung up on that. Won't get hung up on it. I just. We're doing what we can with what we have. Right. Ta-da. Right, and this is the easiest way to do it. Grab a, grab grab the phone, hit hit the record button. Yeah. So there you go. Okay, so what are you memorizing right now? Genesis chapter one. Okay. Why? <laughs> why? Yeah. Yeah. Why? <laughs> okay. Well, ask me what you asked me last night. Because what? Okay, so it's you. All right. What what I'm doing is trying to memorize the Bible in its entirety. That's the that's the goal. Because I well, first off, I mathematically speaking, I'm 34. I figured out in 30 years, if every single day I memorize three verses a day, which isn't possible, by the way, because I even I've already missed one day. <laughs> and there will be days where I'll, where I'll miss, and maybe several days in a row. But mathematically, if someone were to memorize, there's approximately 31,000 Bible verses in the entire Bible. If you were to memorize three verses a day, say you're 30 years old, you could have the Bible memorized by the time you're 60. It would take you 30 years to do it. So my, my goal, which is shooting for the stars here, so to speak, is to memorize God's word. In its entirety. So now ask your questions. Okay. So with that in mind. <laughs> I think that adds just more a little bit like, okay, man, Genesis 1. Next so you've one. been working on Genesis 1. <clears throat> right. And while that is, yeah, awesome that <laughs> you want to memorize the whole Bible, that is daunting to me. But I have thought, like, you know, you've already been telling me just some of the things that have been standing out to you from just memorizing, even starting with Genesis. And I've, I've memorized scriptures before, but I haven't, aside from Romans chapter eight, like I haven't tried to memorize large chunks that are in sequence like mm-hmm. that. 
chapters or even books of the Bible. So it's made me think, you know, huh, okay, there's something to that. That's really cool. I should try to memorize, you know, a chunk somewhere. And maybe I'll just start in Genesis because that's where you're at. Um, So last night I asked you, so like, how do you, how do you memorize? What's your method? Because you're somebody who has memorized large portions of scripture before. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've used different techniques, but again, like not trying to do, you know, just a couple verses here or a chunk of verses here, not a whole chapter or multiple Mm -hmm. chapters in the same book. Like what do you now, obviously, we're winging this conversation here, although we've had this conversation previously. I think I think for the sake of um, people listening, when they hear something like, um, memorize the whole Bible, I think we need, I, I, I want to go back to your first question, which is why and what's it for? And then we can, and then I'm more than happy to talk again about the, like I did last night with you, go into the technique of memorization. Okay. So, you know, Part of part of our conversation last night and our ongoing conversation is that we are trying to read God's word and we're trying to be far more replete in our reading of God's word. I've, I've, I've told you, it's interesting how my uh, biblical knowledge is, is spotty in that um, I know great portions of the New Testament. I know some portions of the Old Testament, but I'm ashamed to say... Uh, I don't know a good deal of certain portions of the Old Testament in the ways that I should. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going through the book of Jeremiah, uh, you know, reading chapter by chapter, not just picking apart, you know, oh, well, these are the famous verses. I know the plans I have for you or whatever. These, I know it's not, it's going through chapter one to the end and going through. And then I read the book, you know, the very short book, Lamentations. I read the book, I'm in the midst of reading Ezekiel right now. And I think what's important for, for Christians, for us, um, is to have a deeper understanding of the Word of God and it to be well-read. But also, and this is where we get into the memorization, you know, David talks about, I've hidden your word in my heart that I won't sin against you. Uh, the thing that, um, okay, I don't want to get into that. Hold on, I'm going down. There's three rabbit trails that I'm looking at in my head right now. And so the one I want to continue to go down is this. We are reading the Word of God. And we are, um, we're seeing a lot of things in scripture, mm-hmm. but as you've pointed out in your reading, uh, you are, it's sort of like we're running on a beach and we're picking up shells quickly. We're not necessarily consulting every single verse, looking through every commentary we can when we get hung up on something. It really is like we're reading, you're reading several chapters a day or listening to several chapters a day. Uh, and, and you're not trying to understand the Greek in every verse per se, or really yeah. go into you get the Strong's dictionary out and go right. through that. No, I'm it, just reading, just reading. And it's because I'm, I think I've mentioned before, I'm doing the Bible reading challenge. There's a summer challenge right now. It's with Christ church and they're, they give you like where to read. And so in the summer you go through the whole new Testament. Um, and I think it wraps up in September and they start their school year one. That's the old and new Testament, but it's like, it's at least four chapters a day and they are, they'll start, sometimes they read through like a whole book, like we just did first and second Corinthians, but sometimes it'll be a few chapters of this book and then some chapters of another book. Um, then there's some short books. So anyway, most of the time it's book by book, 
But what I'm noticing is, because that's not how I've read the Bible before, like just trying to read at least four chapters a day consistently and book by book like that, um, you, well, you can't pick up everything. But also, like the connections I'm seeing across books mm-hmm. is so different than before. And part of it's the idea of just being a person who consistently reads the Bible and the truths that God shows you. And you don't have to get everything on your first pass because you're going to do it again. And you're going to do it again. And you're going to do it again. Just getting in the habit of reading. Yeah. Um, so we, we were saying, like you said, you're not picking up every single shell. But if you look back after doing this for six months, a year, mm-hmm. 10 years, you see a wide picture of the ocean. Yeah. So you're not going down to examine every grain of sand, but you're picking up shells and you're seeing the big picture. Yeah. You're being Bible fluent. You're getting context and you're um, just being more and more well-versed. And there, I mean, I've read the New Testament several times, but again, not like this. So there are parts that I'm like, have I ever read this? This is crazy. Like, this is in here. And then there are ones that's like, oh, yeah, I know that very well. But even with the stuff I know very well, when you read it and when you read it in context, it's just has fresh meaning. It's right. And as you pointed out, and I've seen, too, you just you there's so much cross referencing going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bible is the best interpreter of the Bible. So when you have a verse in Romans will it'll harken back to an old testament scripture yeah so that's one of the craziest things i don't know how i've missed this or not paid more attention i cannot believe how much the new testament quotes the old testament right it's like you know you've heard it said or it's written in the book of the law of moses like it uses that language but it's like i've i feel like i've just like glossed over that like not oh my gosh okay (laughs) how much the old testament is quoted and sometimes it's like, you know, it'll be this scripture from this reference. And then right after it's another scripture from another reference, like these New Testament writers pull from yeah. different portions, like their understanding of just the continuation of the Old Testament or the fulfillment of the types and shadows, like is so robust. But just how much I've looked over that yeah. is crazy to me. So like I'm noticing that more and more as I read like or you know, when I see, I've read something in the New Testament and then I'm reading like through a Psalm and I'm like, Hey, that was just quoted. Like, (laughs) that's exactly where I was just reading and then flipping back. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. It it feels like just a, a more robust understanding of the connection between the two, the value of the two old and New Testament yeah, and the richness, you know? Right. Right. It's kind of like uh, we we look at the New Testament and there's certain there's certain verses that lots of Christians are familiar with, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, that's that's true. But look at the whole context of that particular chapter. Or in or in in relation to cross-referencing from the New Testament back to the Old. Like it the New Testament is confirming the Old Testament. The Old Testament confirms what is ev- what is eventually going to happen in the New Testament. And to just sort of siphon off the Old Testament and th- sort of throw it out like, oh, well, it's, 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 it's old, <laughs> right? By definition, it's old. It, 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 no, it, there's so much to it. It's the fulfillment of so much 
there's so much cohesion between mm-hmm. the Old and the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we specifically, I don't just point to whoever listens to this, but I think we, me and you, you and I have perhaps not valued the the Old Testament for all that it's worth. Yeah, I wouldn't have said like, oh, the new te- the Old Testament's lesser. I wouldn't have said that. Of course not. But I think there was kind of an understanding of it's not as good or it's, yeah, it's more dated or somehow it doesn't apply as richly or as much as the New Testament. But really, that's a that's a bad understanding. Like, it's all God's word. And while some p- portions of the Old Testament have been fulfilled in the New, therefore no longer necessary, the principles are still there and valuable and mm-hmm. apply. And God never changes He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what we learn of his character, of how he interacts with his people. Like, those things are still important. And when you see how much the Old Testament is quoted in the New Testament, you can see the way that the New Testament writers, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, are applying and um, how they're seeing this God that they've already known that's been revealed thus far, and then the fulfillment of what this God has been promising all along, what he's been showing all along, what he's preparing them for all yeah, along. Yeah, and it's a fulfillment. Christ said, I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets, I came to fulfill. Yes. I, Yeah, that understanding is just far more robust, I think, than what we've given credence to. Which is so cool, because there's, there's so much Old Testament. Yeah. <laughs> like, just seeing, I guess, just the well that it is, yes. and the... And the God of the Old Testament is is the God of the New Testament. The God of the Old is the same God. When people say, oh, Jesus was really nice. Jesus was just really sweet. And pretty much other than throwing some temple tables over, you know, he was pretty much a Zen. Like, no, like the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. The one who was in the beginning was the word, Christ, was with God and he was God. Through him, all things were made. The God of the God of the New Testament or Jesus Christ you know, God, the Holy Spirit, um, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Holy, the Son, the Holy Spirit, is the God, is still the same God. The, 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 the wrath is still there. The judgment for sin is still there. The, um, and of course the mercy is still there. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let's, uh, let's kind of, so we started talking about memorization and then we started. When you're just reading, you're getting, you're doing the habit of reading. You're seeing the bigger picture, but you're missing a lot. Like I'll even walk away sometimes and be like, "Okay, I just read Second Peter. Like, yeah. There's some really awesome stuff in there, and then there's some stuff that I don't even know what to do with. It's there's a lot. Okay, <laughs> uh, but I'm reading something different tomorrow, so I'm just kind of moving on. I'm hoping that as I'm reading other scripture, some of the interpretation is made more clear as I'm just continuing to read. But more than trying to make sure and dissect every piece. I'm just reading. But when you memorize, that's kind of more where you're examining the grains of sand. Yes. That's more where you're dissecting. That's what you've been telling me. Like, you're thinking even of these New Testament passages as you're reading Genesis 1. Mm -hmm. And, like, things are clicking, like, because you're examining it. Like, the process of memorizing is meditating. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's meditating on that microscopic level where you're really taking every word that you're looking at and then putting into your head, it's sort of like you're imprinting it in your mind. And when you do that, 
things that may in your periphery by reading step it it it, it comes closer to the lens it, you it, it draws a narrower focus of the word so you know when god said he separated the light from the darkness uh you can see not just in the so that's the act of creation in genesis 1 god separated the light from the darkness god saw that it was good you can then cross reference to the old testament or to the new testament and see that we are like lights that shine. Christians are like lights that shine, Paul says, uh, in, in, a, in a dark world. And there's a lot of this. So there's a lot of even things you'll notice in memorizing the word that maybe through a cursory reading, you wouldn't just grab. Because remember, reading is sort of like sprinting, unless you're reading very slow. Uh, it's, so it's, it's, it's like you're picking up the nuggets as fast as you can, and then you're going on with your day, which, you know, if it, and so uh, lots of us are busy, et cetera, we get that. And I won't even go down the rabbit trail of, I think what we're really busy with, <laughs> which most of it happens to be vain entertainment. I know for us, it was, uh, most of it was, you know, streaming things in the evening. And that was for, that was our life for years and years and years. And when you pull back and you realize how much time you do actually have, well, anyway, I said, I wouldn't go down that trail. So let's not. Oh, I just want to talk about so memorization. So what are some things you've already seen in Genesis? Like you just said the light in the dark. What are some yeah. other things? Because like the more you, you're talking about what you're seeing, and I'm like, okay, I I like what you're saying. I want to do this too. Not with the overarching, I'm going to memorize the whole Bible. But like, I'm, I'm, you jumped into the deep end. You want to memorize the whole Bible. I'm like going to stick my toe in the shallow end and I'm going to like ease in from the steps. And if mm-hmm. I end up in the deep end, that's awesome. But it's less intimidating to me to approach it with, I'm just going to yeah. stick my toe in. I'm going to memorize Genesis 1. Mm-hmm. And we'll see after that. Yeah. If yeah. it's awesome, then maybe I'll go to chapter 2. Maybe I'll just skip to the New Testament then. I don't know. But right. what you're saying that you're seeing and that you're already, already gathering from it, like the just the way that the text is getting in is so cool. Memorization is different than reading memorization will stay with you and it will come out in opportune times, regardless if it's a conversation you have with someone or if it's uh, just a a thought during the day that you have. When you're infiltrating scripture in your your mind and it is sticking there and it is there, you can really see it. That's what memorization is. You can see it in in your mind's eye. I can, for instance, when I memorize a passage somewhere, I can, I can see it I can see that printed page in my mm-hmm. mind. I know where it's at in the text or in 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 the physical Bible or where, wherever I memorized it from. Uh, so it stays with you in a different way. I've noticed, this is a personal note, note uh, I have noticed that things stay with me much longer and things become clearer in that. So the other night we were watching... Uh, an interesting documentary about is Genesis history, is Genesis literal literal history, and spoiler alert, it is. <laughs> uh, but the point, uh, there were many different things that they went through, and one of the things they talk about is uh, animals that are after its own kind. They're made after their own kind. Dogs are, you know, like dogs, and cats are like cats, and we don't see uh, intermediate stages in the fossil record or anything like that. There are some anomalies, but there's nothing to indicate that in, everything. So all that to say, what I'm memorizing in Genesis, because you asked, for example, was I think it's Genesis. Like I told you last night, I don't have the the the, the every verse solid yet. Solid mm-hmm. meaning 
I could just quote you Genesis 1, 7, Genesis 1, 15. You know, I can't, I, I can see it on the page in my mind's eye, but I can't quite uh, quote every, unless you gave me the first word or two, then I could, oh, and all of a sudden, boom, I can hit it. Uh, but that comes with time. Memorization comes with repetition, time, and a daily uh, engrossing yourself in that. But one of the things, I think it's one five or one six. Believe I'm not going to look. Uh, basically, <laughs> it's the it's the scripture that talks about God made plants according to their own kind and fruit trees according to the seed that is within them according to their kinds. And we see that in the plant record too. You know, they weren't really talking about plants so much as they were animals. But even our own plants have a distinction that God made in all of them, and we still see that in present day life. Had I read that, I might have skimmed over it. And I'd, so had I just done a, a cursory reading of Genesis 1, chapter 1, I may have just sort of breezed over that, and that wouldn't have stood out to me. But because it's in my mind's eye of memorization, and because it's close to what I'm, what I'm seeing every day as I memorize the word, uh, I can recall things that are just so, so, some things are just interesting like that, you know? I mean, it's not like, oh, that's earth-shattering. But, but when we recall God's word, we're recalling truth, capital T. Why? Because it is inspired by God. Sola Scriptura, the scripture alone, tota Scriptura, the scripture in totality, is God's word inspired by the Spirit to man, and it's given to us. It's a gift. And the thought that struck me that convicted me, and I'm sure if you, if you think about it, it's very convicting. Who knows the word better than us? Yeah, uh, because of some Jonathan Edwards you read to me recently, I knew the answer, but Satan. Yeah, the enemy of our souls knows the word of God. In fact, I don't know, and they're in, this is just, this is off the cuff. I'd, I have to go back. Few times in scripture when Satan is speaking or talking, does he ever just start sort of speaking on his own? It, use his own vocabulary, use his own language. Most of the time when he comes, perhaps in Job he did, but most of the time when he comes to Adam and Eve, or when he came to Adam and Eve, <clears throat> when he approached Christ in the wilderness, he approaches with the word of God, <laughs> a yeah. miscontextualized word of God. He knows God's word better than most, if not all Christians. Yeah. So the, so if it, I don't know. I think the the standard or the bar is raised exponentially when we really grapple with that. When we really think that the enemy of our souls, who, you know, can tempt us, deceive us, he's deceiving us not with his own language and word. He's using the word of God, misshaping it like he always has, and using it to suit his own evil ends. And I think for Christians. It's, it's good to read the word of God, of course, and we're called to that. We must. But I do believe if Satan knows the word of God, we should know it as well as the enemy of our souls. So like careful study is important. Careful study and being able to recall scripture, which again, this is not me standing up saying, I have the whole Bible memorized. I don't. <laughs> and there's like, I, and like, I confessed, one. <laughs> like I confessed earlier, sure. But I've memorized great portions of the New Testament. There's a lot in the Old Testament that I look at and I'm like, hmm. I'm spotty with some books. I'm really spotty even in my reading of, ashamedly. Uh, That shouldn't be so. I realize the Bible's a big book, but we're we're, we're also a, uh, as a people group with smartphones and quick access and immediate, you know, gratification and microwave theology. 
sort of like theology. We, we, we don't grapple with things for very long. We just want quick little easy spark, uh, cliff note explanations, and that's it. We, we need to reorient our understanding, and we need to understand that the Word of God is big, but it is understandable. And the more we read it and the more we understand it, the more we love it. I, that by experience, I'm mm-hmm. talking by, yeah. ex, by experience and, and, and even, and not just by, of course, personal experience. Look at the experience of David. David loves the statutes of God. He, he loves God's law. He loves God's word. He's hidden in his heart uh, so that he wouldn't sin against God. And I think that it's extremely important for all of us to ingest, read the word, but get the word in our minds and get it in our memories. So that way, when we are either through a coworker or a friend or a sibling or whatever, there is an answer for everything uh, as far as what the word, the, the word of God is not just some book in a corner that has no relevance to today's problems. It is packed full of wisdom and understanding. It gives us understanding on how we should handle new technologies, how we should handle uh, tyrannical governments. And not just reading it, but understanding it and and being able to contextualize properly. Uh, That's important too, but let's just stick with memorization. (laughs) Let's just do Yeah, because understanding is, I mean, the the primary way we understand the word is in context with the word. The word interprets the word. Right. So that's the main understanding. The other cool thing we have, which we don't have to go down this, but we do have a lot of, rich Christian literature yes. surrounding the Bible. That's people have been able to study those interpretations for hundreds of years. And there are lots that have stood the test of time that have general Christian agreement, even across denominations that are a source of, of help yeah. um, that are good tools. And we shouldn't scoff at that. I mean, lots of people will, look at that and say, oh, well, that was 500 years ago or 1,000 years ago. And it's not as if we think, oh, well, their knowledge was completely perfect and 100% flawless about every jot and tittle. No, we're, we're all imperfect human beings. But there was a lot that the early church saw that we should not forsake. There's a lot that the church, through the creeds, through the things that we recite at church well, even— just tell me about the creeds that all— all the creeds unite on. So I, I read a book about postmillennialism recently, and it ends with the various creeds that all Christians hold to, and that is Jesus Christ will make a second appearance. He will, will be a second coming of Christ, um, and that He will judge the living and the dead. All creeds, regardless of denomination, that fall within the realm of orthodoxy hold to that, and it's like you can go back and you can read the creeds from the last I want to say a thousand years or so. And in various, you know, the Reformed tradition, the Minionite tradition, uh, what other, uh, the, the Baptists in the 1800s have had, had one written. So there's lots of various creeds that people can go back on and see there's a uniting front on some truth here, on some, on, on things that the Word of God says we can go back and go, oh, wow, well, the church has been, all of the church universally has been hearkening to this or that for centuries. Mm-hmm. Two, well, centuries plus, you know, I'd say 2,000 years, two millennia. Cool. Oh, 
I was thinking this, the other thing that you've uh, told me about Satan, and this is kind of an aside, but he knows the word better than we do. But what's the other thing we've learned about him? He knows it, mm-hmm. but he doesn't believe it. He doesn't believe it. He, well, he believes in that he believes that the demons believe that Jesus Christ is actually the Christ, and they shudder, James says. Right, they but, know that he is. But but Satan will ultimately twist that word because he, he well, he's in constant rebellion towards God, but he knows the word in and out and through and through. Uh, this is cool. So I've been wanting to read Calvin's Institutes, which I didn't realize how much is here. So this is going to be a slow book. Um, and the introduction alone is like so many pages. But I'm like, I'll just read the first paragraph and see if like the, if I really need to read the introduction or if I can just skip right to the Institutes. But I'm going to now read the introduction. Um, because even from the first paragraph, I'm like, wow, this is cool. The celebrated treaty here presented in a new English translation, holds a place in the short list of books that have notably affected the course of history, molding the beliefs and behavior of generations of mankind. Perhaps no other theological work has so consistently retained for four centuries a place on the reading list of studious Christians. In a wider circle, its title has been familiar, and vague ideas of its content have been in circulation. It has, from time to time, called forth an extensive literature of controversy. It has been assailed as presenting a harsh, austere, intolerant Christianity and so perverting the gospel of Christ, and it has been admired and defended as an incomparable exposition of scriptural truth and a bulwark of evangelical faith. Even in times when it was least esteemed, its influence remained potent in the life of active churches and in the habits of men. To many Christians whose worship was prescribed under hostile governments, this book has supplied the courage to endure. Wherever in the crisis of history, social foundations are shaken and men's hearts quail, the pages of this classic are searched with fresh respect. In our generation, when most theological writers are schooled in the use of methods and of a terminology widely differing from those employed by Calvin, this masterpiece continues to challenge intensive study and contributes a reviving impulse to thinking in the areas of Christian doctrine and social duty. So, cool. Oh, you were going to say, um, you were going to talk you want, about... Did you want to expound real quick on what you just oh. read at all? You want to, I mean, <laughs> not for just two seconds. What is your big takeaway I, I, that you thought? I thought the fresh eyes during a tyrannical government seemed yeah, quite... totally uh, applicable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. But also just the influence this has had on mankind, the way that this has um, affected the course of history. This has helped mold and shape people's understanding of the timeless truth of God's word. Right. Um, I mean, we could totally just read the word because it is God's word. It's absolute truth. It's revelation with no error. Um, but I think... Like you said, this is something that we shouldn't forsake. These treasures that the church has been given through the ages of people's love of scripture and they're helping apply it mm-hmm. to our present day as, and you know, this is already hundreds of years old, um, but 
it's just another treasure along the way of people who have mined the word of God and pulled out a lot of understanding that God is the source of from his word. Mm -hmm. Um, But this this is helpful to us too. And so. And it's important to remember most cults are started from people who individualistically or with just a very small body of people uh, will read the word of God and basically try to apply it forsaking the the present church and forsaking even the past church, the creeds, um, the theology that has been so richly constructed throughout the centuries. And so a a lot of things like, you know, the Jehovah's Witness, the Jehovah Witnesses, Mormonism, a lot of this stems from kind of an, it stems from, oh, well, here's, here's the Bible and then taking off and launching into crazy thinking. Mm-hmm. Just things, and then things that really send people down into hell, because ultimately they become, uh, they they become cults, they become f- false false religions, and um, that's why one of the reasons why too, I think it's 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 careful. We 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 must personally bring careful study to the word, um, but if we see something in scripture that is especially just may seem different or crazy, it's good to. It's, it's, it's good to plumb the depths of the resources that we have at our disposal of men who have gone on before, who have gone on before us, who are dead old men, old dead men, as I call them, and to see what their wisdom would say, too, regarding that. Or even to, if we go to a, we, we do now, we go to a strong Bible-believing church with a rich, robust theology. If we find something in Scripture that we're like, oh, well, we can hang our hat on this, and this is, uh, this is essential, or whatever— well, we should probably, if it's new and if it's what, we should probably consult the wise among us, as Proverbs would strongly urge us and tell us to do. Mm-hmm. So I would. I saw some of that even last night uh, for the Bible reading challenge. There's a Facebook group. And one of the things that had stood out to me in Hebrews, which I know I've read before and even maybe explored a little bit, but Melchizedek enters. Right. And he has no father and he has no mother. And there's like. <laughs> says some crazy stuff about him and how Jesus is a priest in the order of Melchizedek. But it's like, what do you do with this Melchizedek? Like, <laughs> this is, huh? Like, it he, he it talks about since he has no end of days, like, he's kind of like a eternal uh, priest. And, yeah, it just, the whole thing is, the language of it is so crazy. It was one of those that I'm like, Jesse, wait, what do you do with this? But I got more scripture to read tomorrow, so, like, you run with this. But I looked at this Facebook group where, it all, they're all reading, whoever's a part of this group is reading the same portions of scripture daily that I am. And there's like this long thread because somebody else posted like, okay, who is Melchizedek? What is this? Is this a Christophany? Is this Christ in the Old Testament or just a type and shadow? What do we do? And then you have all these women underneath commenting, like sharing links or sharing articles or saying, you know, well, it's probably not a Christophany because it doesn't say, um, it says he's after the Jesus is after the order, order right. of Melchizedek. Um, so, like, just even reading though, people like discussing it. And while it would be cool if it's a Christophany, and there are Christophanies in the Old Testament, um, I don't want to think it is if it's not. And like that under that pointing out of well, probably not because of the language that's used around it, because of what is explained in the scripture. It's like oh, okay, but we can see that. Like, 
he is, Melchizedek is a type. And there's another reason that it's not a Christophany is because he's talked about in the Old Testament and they gave the reference for that, um, that he was an earthly priest that was set up. But by not having his genealogy, no father and mother, obviously he did have a father and a mother. Not that not having his genealogy set up gives us the type and shadow of Christ. Yes. That he's, it about Melchizedek, there's like the mystery of, he seems to be eternal, but he's not eternal, but Jesus is eternal. Mm. So that's where it's like the type and the shadow, which is cool. Um, and somebody said on there, which means more to you than me, but I had just overheard you reading to Levi, uh, the Lord of the Rings, but somebody's like, my husband's explained it to me that, um, Melchizedek is kind of like Tom Bombadil. And then somebody wrote under that, no, 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 Tom Bombadil is like Melchizedek. Uh, but I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that was that was just even helpful. Like, here are people who are women who are students of God's word, who you can, like, kind of follow the thread of, well, is it this? Well, no, because of this scripture here. Take note of this. Right. Oh, well, how about this? We'll look at the language here. So it just helped give some... People are hashing out their thoughts, but they're giving scripture reference and how we can interpret it rightly, sure. which is just helpful, which yeah. is what you're saying. Like going to the wisdom of other people who are students of God's word, either through old dead men who are students of God's word or even present day people, so that you don't get off into thinking something totally wrong that's easily disputed if you just turn over to First Samuel or, you know, yeah. the explanation's already there. And as we see in our autonomous, individualistic American society— it is extremely easy to basically go, uh, I've got I've got my personal Jesus, I've got my Bible and my prayer time, and I can kind of come to the conclusions that I want to. Mm-hmm. And that is erroneous. Yeah, yeah. Something I've been pondering is Jesus's lordship. And um, you can kind of go either way in your understanding. And I think there's a right way and I think there's a wrong way. But I think, you know, we ought not think, well, Jesus is Lord. Therefore, you know, I can basically do whatever I want. Yeah. Um, rather, we should think Jesus is Lord. Therefore, I will do whatever he wants. Yeah. There's like that subjective, um, relative mindset that says, well, he's Lord. So whatever I do, yeah. you know, I can just shoot up a prayer and then go about my way and it's good or it's right or it's okay. But that's really comes from humanism. That really comes from um, all truth is relative, not God's truth is absolute. Yeah. And, it's and it's and it's living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Yeah, because Jesus is Lord, all of our thoughts, all of our actions should be subject to him. And because we're made for community and because we should have wise people around us talking through lots of issues, lots of different things that we go through, that we are a part of in our life there should be the consultation there of that's where I say it's not just your personal Jesus in a closet with your devotional Bible saying, okay, cool. I can X, Y, Z, you know, live my life how I want kind of, because I feel this peace about, you know, big decisions in my life or whatever. There's, there's more to it than, than that. The, there is wisdom in, 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 in counselors, there's wisdom in a strong community of believers. And if we forsake that and we just think that the world, in the Christian world in which we live is an island, it's like an island-based Christianity, which I think COVID has brought out a lot of that with people. A lot of people are, oh, cool, I can just go Zoom and 
not go to church, not be a part of the fellowship of believers because I can just sort of watch it in my jammies while I'm brushing my teeth or whatever. Like that is not biblical Christianity. That's not, anyway, we're going down. Yeah, <laughs> we are, but one other thought on that. It could be a different topic. Something I'm seeing that I'm amazed by in the New Testament is how much, like so many of the epistles are like, beware, be careful, make sure you're in the faith. Here's this, here's the path of life. And then many are led astray. Make sure you're not among those. Like all the warnings, all the warnings to be faithful, faithful to God's word, faithful to truth. Just, it's like, okay, these are already early believers that are being written to. And it's already like this, be careful, be careful, be careful, be careful everywhere. You can be deceived. You can be led astray. Like be careful. Um, So anyway, just how much I need that so that I'm not led astray, so that I'm seeing everything rightly. We have to continually go back to God's word. It is the standard. And not to try to put what we want, our own wants, and twist the scripture to make it fitting so we can live how we want, but to really be submissive to what God's word teaches, to understand it and to have our greatest desire be to follow his way. His way is the path of life. So That's good. That's good. Memorizing will help us understand. Memorizing is like 2.0. Thank you for listening to the Love of Life podcast, Conversations with Jesse and Courtney. It is our duty through our schools to create a new one, a God-centered one. We are told in Proverbs 8, verses 35 and 36, For whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death.